if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. It is a Friday. I'll talk about that in a second. It is uh, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday, the 18th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2020. What I mean by that when I say I'll talk about what it means to be Friday, I, I was watching a TV show this morning as I prepared uh, my radio show, and uh, I usually have like three different sources going into my ears. That's why I'm so haywire, I think, when I get on the air, because I literally am listening to you know Hugh Hewitt and his uh, his uh, program and his thoughts through my phone, through the WHK radio app, which is kind of cool. Then I got a TV on, and then I got a different show on uh, via my uh, 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 home smart speaker couldn't remember what to call it the smart speakers i got like three different things going on at one time but anyway one of them and i don't remember which said tgif absolutely and it dawned on me it just this wasn't part of my show prep i just wanted to say this is it tgif anymore do you understand what i mean by that question friday used to mean something now friday is just another day it's just like Monday. You know, everybody in our, you know, in our lives, we, we have all been taught, and it's kind of goofy, really. I've, I actually used to kind of rant about this from time to time. Even when I was a teacher back in the early 90s, I used to tell my students not to ever get caught up in that whole I hate Mondays thing. What, which cartoon was that, though? Was it Garfield? I think it was Garfield. I think it was the Garfield comic strip. I hate Mondays. Always something bad would happen on Mondays. But basically, Monday is the start of a long work week, and uh, it's miserable, and you know it's coming off of the fun weekend, and i got to go back to the grind. And I used to tell people, I used to say, you're literally hating one-seventh of your life. Do you see what I'm saying? You literally are saying, I hate Mondays. Mondays, that's one-seventh of the time on earth you're allowed to live. If you live to be a hundred years, that would be like hating one seven what's what's the math on that? If you live to be if you live to be seventy, is it you hate ten years of your life? Am I doing it right? The math isn't important except for the fact that you you, you literally can't do that. You kind of have to not have the I hate Mondays uh vibe. But we all have. It's just there, it's real. 
And then on Friday, it's, hey, the weekend is here. It's Friday. You go to work. You're in a better mood because you know that as soon as you hear that whistle, the proverbial whistle, nobody really has those anymore unless you're at a factory and you hear the bell. But, uh, you know, when you hear the end of that day coming, it's the weekend is here. I don't have to work tomorrow. I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to have a good time. We're going to the movies. Or we're going to the game. or We're going to the bar. Or we're going to eat, out to eat. We're doing something fun. That's TGI Friday, right? But is it anymore? This just struck me this morning when I heard somebody talking about TGI Friday, and I admired their optimism and their spirit, but I thought to myself, why? There's no difference between a Monday and a Friday anymore. Because it's all been taken away from us. My son plays high school basketball. He's got a game tonight. He's playing. I don't want to throw schools under the bus here. I really should. But he's got a game tonight at a school that has decided, because of COVID-19, the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus, the only people allowed in the gym are the players, the coaches, two referees, and a scorekeeper. I don't even think there's anybody announcing the game because they are not allowing anybody in the game to hear the announcements. It's an empty gym. Not limited to, you know, 15% capacity the way they did in, 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 in football games or like the Browns just played on Monday night. They had 12,000 stu- uh, uh, fans in a stadium for 65,000, whatever the, the math is. Again, I don't do math very well. But whatever that percentage is, uh, you know, that's going on uh, in a lot of places. And that even that is ridiculous. For example, we had a home game this past Tuesday night, and they only allowed two kids per parent into the building. So there's like a grand total of 40 people in a giant high school arena. Uh, it's a really big coliseum where my son goes to school. And uh, there's like 40 people, <laughs> you know, like you know, 20 from each side. Um, it's crazy, but in this one tonight, they're not allowing anyone, nobody that isn't a part of the game itself is allowed in the building. So we have to sit at home and wonder how the varsity basketball game is going. Think that's exciting for this Friday night? Do you think people are excited about going out on Friday night to go to the bars, have some drinks, socialize, meet people? No, there's no reason to be TGI. It's Friday. There's no reason. What do you do if you go to a local bar tonight after work? You can't socialize and meet anyone because you're wearing a mask if you're standing. You're not allowed to stand and directly interact with somebody who isn't a part of your party or your family. You have to stay seated where you are. You can't move across the bar and say hey to a friend. You can't move across the bar and introduce yourself to somebody if you'd like to meet someone. That's his bars. You can't go to the movies tonight either. Hey, it's Friday night. There's a premiere, a new premiere of the big blockbuster, blah, blah. Nope. Is there any theater open within the sound of my voice right now? Legit question, because I don't think there is, but maybe I'm wrong. They've taken the living out of life. Friday isn't a reason to be excited anymore. Friday might as well have been Thursday, which might as well have been Wednesday, and we can continue that cycle. I don't feel any different today than I did yesterday. What was there to do last night?
Even if you do find some joy in sitting and not being allowed to get up and move about at an establishment, you got to be home by midnight or by 10 p.m., I should say, with the curfew. You got to be home. Prior to the curfew, it was, well, you couldn't drink anymore after that. Alcohol, you see, alcohol leads to COVID infections after 10 p.m. So we weren't serving any alcohol after 10 p.m. And then, of course, DeWine took it a step further and just said, flat out, curfew, be home by 10 p.m. Is that what Friday night means? No movies, no sporting events, no bars. Yeah, you can go out to dinner, I suppose, but again, know the restrictions. You have to wear a mask when you're on your way in and when you're on your way to a table. Then you can take it off when you sit because the virus doesn't go down to the lower levels where you're seated. But when you stand up, you're putting your head right in virus territory, so you have to put your mask on if you stand up to go to the bathroom or to go to the bar to get a cocktail napkin. It's not... They've taken the life out of living, or they've taken the living out of life. You pick. Like I said, this is totally unscripted. This is not what I planned to start with the show with today. It just hit me this morning that today's Friday, and I didn't even know it, because it's no different than a Wednesday. It's no different than a Tuesday. There's nothing to look forward to. The entertainment is gone. And uh, quite frankly, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit tired of it. It's one of the reasons why what I did plan on starting today with was another update on our state elected officials doing something to restore living to our lives and how utterly disgusted and frustrated I am and we all should be over their failure It was exactly 16 days ago that the president of the Ohio Senate swore, promised, I think is the word, a more accurate word, promised to bring to a vote the override of Governor Mike DeWine's veto of Senate Bill 311. Senate Bill 311 was very, very important. Was it a perfect bill? Absolutely not. But was it extraordinarily important? Absolutely it was. And the reason why should be pretty obvious. Because it allowed our legislature, the General Assembly, your representatives to have a say in any of the limitations of our living that I'm talking about now in my Friday diatribe. Any of the the restrictions on living our lives that have been placed upon us by Governor Mike DeWine and the health director unilaterally, let me say that again, unilaterally, they are the only ones consulted in the decision-making. The legislature, the General Assembly, your reps, your senators had no say whatsoever. Senate Bill 311 was not perfect. It wasn't going to fix everything right now. It was going to make sure that this is not going to happen again. It was going to make sure that any orders that the governor wanted to make or the uh, any restrictive orders that the health director wanted to put in place, any protocols that would be established, would have to do so with the approval of the legislature, or at least with some parameters that give a legislature a say in the duration of said orders, something that gave us a reason to believe that we still live in a free 
country, a free constitutional republic, rather than a dictatorship in which we are told where to go, when to go there, with whom we can see and associate while we're there, and what time we have to be home in bed. That's what 311 was going to do. It was going to put an end to the tyranny. And it was 16 days ago that the Senate president, Larry Obhoff, in response to a uh, an expected veto of 311, which passed the Ohio Senate, which passed the Ohio House, and was expected to be vetoed by Mike DeWine. And on December 2nd, 16 days ago, Larry Oboff said, if and when the governor, uh, paraphrasing now, vetoes that bill, giving us a little bit of liberty and a little bit of hope for liberty by way of our representatives having a say in what is done to us, what is done to our businesses, what is done to our jobs. If and when Larry Oboff said Mike DeWine vetoes that at the end of that week, I will hold a vote to override in the, in the uh, Ohio Senate. That is exactly what he said. It was reported everywhere. It is now 16 days later. No vote was held. There was a lengthy session yesterday, a massive 13, 14-hour legislative session yesterday. No movement. Nothing. Nobody can figure out why. Larry Oboff, the Senate president, won't return calls, won't speak publicly on this. And something changed his mind. Now, I did get this from a friend who finally, somehow, some way, was able to get a statement from Larry Oboff. But nobody else can reach him. Conservative leaders, political uh, activists, people close to some of our legislators, he, he won't talk to them anymore. People he normally exchanged messages with and conversations. But one person, and I will not say who because it doesn't matter, quoted this. This is what I have from yesterday. Larry said he wrote HB 311, but doesn't do, and I don't know if they mean SB 311, But it doesn't do any of the stuff people think it does. It prevents future stay-at-home orders, but it doesn't have anything to do with masks or regulations or businesses or any of the stuff people think it does. He said they are likely to pass a law taking away criminal penalties for violating orders and making sure businesses can't be closed again. Those are crucial and will prevent future shutdowns. Now, I should point out that the person I got this from is a Larry Abbaugh fan. Big fan, bragging about all of the good things he has done in the past. I do not see this with the optimism that this writer does or that anybody else does. He's negotiating with Mike DeWine over the Constitution of the state of Ohio and the United States of America? They're negotiating to decriminalize the penalties for violating the orders that are not constitutional. You cannot criminalize something that is not constitutional to begin with. So what negotiation? Larry Oboff didn't promise the people of Ohio on December 2nd that he would negotiate with the governor for a couple of scraps from the governor's 
unilateral dictatorial table. He said he would hold a vote to override that. And each or SB 311 doesn't have to take away the mask mandate right now or take away the business regulations or the curfews or anything else. But it does give us a pathway to making sure that those things can be repealed the moment the legislature gets a chance to have a vote on it. It gives them a say. So we're supposed to just ignore the fact that we have nothing except that Mike DeWine says, I won't have you arrested for violating an order that multiple judges have decided and declared to be unconstitutional to begin with? That's not a free state. That's not a free country. That's not acceptable. TGIF, you ask? KMA, I say. I'm not glad it's Friday because it doesn't feel any different than it does on a Monday. Because they have taken all the living out of life. And I, for one, am going to hold people accountable. I, for one, am going to not stop fighting and being a big pain in the A. I am told that my name was bandied about in a few different places yesterday during that lengthy session at the State House. Because some people don't like what I'm saying. Ohio Republicans, bring that crap to me. Don't talk about me. Bring it to me. You have an open invitation. Whether it's the ORP or whether it's actual individual legislators. You don't like me talking about this stuff? You don't like me calling you out? Call me open invitation explain to me and explain to your constituents why you're selling out the voters the people of this state selling out those very constituents tgif it's a laugh it's 924 hopefully we're going to talk with one of those legislators we're supposed to speak with christina rogner at 935 if her schedule allows i'll keep you posted after this looking uh, at a couple of representatives' recent postings on social. Um, Candace Keller, state representative, I think sums it up so perfectly well. She's got a great big meme-style photo post that says, very simply, those who lack the courage will always find a philosophy to justify it. And I think I just read you that philosophy. Well, Senate Bill 311 wouldn't exactly take away the mandates and the orders and the curfews anyway, so we'll just, you know, we're negotiating to make sure that you can't be punished for violating the orders. That does not reopen businesses. That does not reopen uh, or uh, 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 restart jobs, I should say. That does not restart our lives as we choose to live them. We won't punish you for violating something that is unconstitutional in the first place, that is the ultimate philosophy to justify the lack of courage to do what is right and what is necessary. I still cannot conceive of the fact that the president of the state senate, Larry Oboff, is refusing to do what he promised he would do, what the people of his state demanded 
to hold that vote to override uh, Mike DeWine's veto, to take a little bit of the power back from the little bespectacled buffoon with the Napoleonic complex, to take some of that power back. There are a lot of people that I fight with who say both parties are garbage. Both parties are the problem. And I always say, no, 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 it's the Democrats, it's the Democrats. And I always defend the Republican Party. I would like to thank the Republican Party in the state of Ohio for proving me wrong. It is both parties. It is just as bad on the GOP side as it is on the Democrat side when you're too cowardly to do what is right, including keep your own word. State uh, State Senator Christina Rogner will join us next on AM 1420, The Answer. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, coming at you like a uh, like a water cannon. Truth uh, at every turn, uh, and we're just blasting it at people. I don't care who gets wet, seriously, and I don't care if it's uh, Ohio Republicans. I don't care if it's every member of the General Assembly, if they are not pounding the door of Larry Obhoff, if they are not screaming at him to follow up on his promise of allowing Ohioans to take a little bit of power back from the little mini dictator who is also a Republican, then they can all uh, they can all drown in it as far as I care. Uh, let's bring on uh, Christina Rogner now. Christina Rogner is a Republican member of the Ohio Senate. She wants Larry Obhoff to do his job. She says they have the number of votes that they need to override the veto of Senate Bill 311, but she isn't going to get a chance to vote on it. Uh, Christina, thank you so much for the time. I uh, should say, Senator Rogner, I apologize for the informality. How are you this morning? <laughs> That's quite okay, Bob. You can call me Christina. <laughs> well, thank you very much Thanks for that. Merry Christmas, by today. the way. Well, thank you for for coming on. So, so I want to read the I want to read the quote from uh, Mike DeWine from December second. Or, excuse me, it's not a quote. It's just a it's a headline from a story in which he says uh, that he's going to repeal or have a vote to repeal Senate Bill three eleven's veto. Uh, this is WBNS TV in Columbus. Ohio Senate President Larry Oboff said he has the votes to override DeWine's veto and plans to hold the vote by the end of the week. Now, that was Dece- actually December 3rd. Um, here we are on December 18th, and the only thing that I can hear from the Senate President is that he's negotiating with Mike DeWine to decriminalize the violation of some of these orders that have been deemed to be unconstitutional. Uh, that's not the same thing as overriding a veto so that we can actually take some power back for the people of this state, uh, uh, Senator Rugner. So can you tell me where things are, and can you give me any insight into why the Senate president has seem, seemingly changed his mind? I... I... Your guess is as good as mine. I certainly want to override the veto, not only for uh, Senate Bill 311, uh, which defines quarantine, isolation, and gives the General Assembly uh, a, sort of a, well, the people, really, truly, a, a voice in what happens, but also Senate Bill 55, which has a, uh, decriminalizes these orders. Uh, you know, I, I, too, have heard that there are negotiations going on, but I'm not privy to those, nor do, nor have I seen any results of those yet. Um, you know, in my opinion, and I know many my colleagues, we would like to override both of those bills, and we'd like to have done it last week, or the week yeah. before. 
so it, it is a little, a little frustrating that it's not coming uh, up for a vote. When is, uh, this is going to sound like a really goofy question, but when is the last time you spoke with Larry Oboff? When is the last time that any of your fellow Republican senators have spoken with the Senate president about this? Well, that's also another interesting question. Typically, before sessions, we'll have what's called a caucus, mm-hmm. and that's when the members of the one party will get together and to discuss legislation that will be on the floor to have any questions answered or to really get each other's thoughts before we go into the session to vote. Um, we did have a couple caucuses last week, uh, but we haven't had any this week, none. So um, it's, it's really peculiar. So during last week's caucuses, I'm assuming this came up, because I know you have been saying for a while now you want to vote. I know a number of other Republican senators who are loyal to the people that sent them to office uh, and do want to provide them with a say in what is done in the case of a health crisis or an emergency or a pandemic or whatever, without leaving it up to the unilateral discretion of the governor or the health director. Uh, so last week, when you did caucus, what what did uh, the Senate president have to say about this? Um, well, without disclosing any confidences of what's said um, in, in caucus behind those closed doors, I, I, I will say that we do have the votes to override the, uh, the vetoes. Uh, we're just, you know, discussing primarily 311. That's sort of the big one. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we to override a veto in the Senate, you need 20 votes. Mm-hmm. Right, and and we did have 20 votes for 311 when it passed the first time to the Senate. But keep in mind, the 20th vote was the Senate president. Um, president Abhav did vote for 311. So, and we would absolutely need his vote again uh, to to override the veto. Otherwise, it'll be one short. We'd only have 19. So, um, I you know I will say that we absolutely had the strong, strong, strong support uh, of the caucus members. Again, I would even argue it was stronger now to override than it was the first time when we passed it. Uh, so we, we really, we really do need President Obama to to bring this up for um, for a vote to override. In your in your opinion, Senator, in, in your opinion, is that why he won't bring this up for a vote? Because he does not want to be the deciding vote that overrides uh, Governor Dewine's veto, thereby probably infuriating Governor Dewine. It very well could be. Um, he, you know, he didn't wouldn't doesn't say that, so it's just uh, the guess is as good as mine on that one. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, President Obama is the one that can bring this forward. It's up to him. Um, and, uh, and we're out of time now, right? I mean, it's over. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Senator Rugner. It, it, we're out of time because. As I understand it, the House, which of course would have to over- override following the Senate, is not coming back after Christmas. That that's what I've been told. So oh, this is going to be pushed whoa, 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 off to whoa, whoa, whoa. the next. No, no, there, okay. there, no. We so the Senate is in session today. We have session at eleven o'clock. So there is still hope. So if your listeners, you know, want to call and encourage uh, their senators and, and specifically Senate leadership to to bring this override up for a vote. We could still do it today. We, we we have sessions scheduled at 11.30 today. The House, as you mentioned, needs to go second. They're coming back next week, Tuesday. So if the Senate... They are coming today, back. Okay, I was told they were not coming. Yeah. Okay, they're coming back before Christmas for a couple of days. Okay, but uh, the, after I, that, then... I, so was, so we only have two or three days left, essentially, changed, working. That's, that was my understanding, that they're coming back next Tuesday. 
Okay, that is good news to me. So, and that is good news to me, and I'm very glad to hear that. So, there is a chance now. I have had countless numbers of people telling me people who actually have had conversations with uh, uh, the Senate president in the past who cannot reach him now. He has basically cut off everyone from communication here. You said you had no caucuses this week, so you're going to have a session today. But he has not met with you or any of the other uh, uh, senators about the plans for bringing this to a vote today. Correct. That is correct, not not as a group, so not as a uh, Senate caucus. Um, however, okay. individually, you know, I, I don't know who he's met with individually or, or maybe in small groups, but I don't know. <laughs> um, you know okay, and, for, and, forgive, forgive the question, but what I said on your way in uh, to this interview, uh, Senator Rogner, is any senator who is not pounding on his door demanding to speak with him right now, and I mean that proverbially more than literally, but I mean trying to reach him and really trying to move him on this because we are at the zero hour, um, I, I think is, is, is not doing what they need to do. Are you or Bob, anybody else I doing that to really reach him? Been, no, I, I have been. For, for, since the governor uh, did the veto, since he vetoed the bill, I have been on right? a weekly, if not daily basis, uh, trying to call him, texting him, uh, you know, and or, or went to his office last week too and sat down with Senator McCauley, just the the three of us, uh, to talk about our desire to have him bring this to the floor. We are very clear that we want this to come forward, and I've been doing it on a regular yeah. basis. And yet he remains silent and not responsive to anybody, to you, like I said, to, you know, conservative leaders in the community, organizations that have supported him and have supported the ORP and supported, uh, you know, the efforts uh, on behalf of the people. And yet he is silent. On, on the, can you clarify something else for me? It, let's suppose lightning strikes and somehow Larry Abhoff uh, grows his courage uh, and uh, does what he said he was going to do very strongly uh, on numerous uh, occasions uh, uh, earlier this month, which is hold this thing. So let's suppose it happens. What's going on on the House side with respect to not just them coming back on Tuesday, which you clarified, um, but I'm told there are as many as 15 or 16 who would be yes votes to override who are out either with COVID or for fear of COVID or being uh, isolated with contact tracing from COVID or something, and that they may not be able to be in session to vote anyway. Do you, do you have any clarification on that? Well, that is one of the things that Senate President Abhat does bring up as a uh, reason as to why he doesn't want to bring the vote up for an override. Uh, when, from my discussions with many of my colleagues in the House, they tell me over and over again they do have the votes, even if there are some that are out, and that does change on a daily basis, who's, who's out and who's not. Uh, they say they can make it work. They, they, you know, the one that uh, would either be quarantined or isolated, whatever, could they could drive to the state house. They could vote from their car as long as they're technically on state house grounds. So I think the house is trying to work that out. I I don't know the details of how they're going to make that happen, but they claim they can. So, right. but it is uh, at the end so of the day, words, it's up to the Senate to move first. That's the important thing. Of course, the house doesn't of course. have to and, worry and, about it unless the Senate moves. And that's why it's so extraordinarily. Um, 
disingenuous of the Senate president to say, well, they might not have the votes over there anyway, so we won't do our jobs over here. It's a cowardly move. If It's an excuse is what it is, and it's simply pathetic, especially for somebody who knows he doesn't have to answer to the voters again, and that if he is looking for his next job, it won't be in an elected office. It will be in an appointed one. And the only person who can really appoint him to a position is the guy that would be furious if he led the override of said veto. You don't have to comment on that, Senator Rogner. I think it speaks for itself, but um, it is uh, it is a very it is a very uh, infuriating fact of life right now that we don't know why Larry Opoff is quiet, why he has changed his mind from "I will hold the the override vote, I guarantee it" or "I promise it." I think is the word that he said, uh, and here we are now. And ah, well, maybe they don't have the number of votes on the House side anyway, so we won't bother doing our job over here. Um, is there anything else that you need to let us know? Uh, I know I've been really laser-focused on Senate Bill 311, but anything else when you meet today in session today that uh, is of note that we should be aware of, uh, Senator Rogner? Well, I mean, we always do talk a lot about 311, and certainly that we I want to override that, but then there's also Senate Bill 55, which would remove penalties for these orders. That, that's another veto override that I think we need to we need to take. That's also does that one have the support important. that this one does from the you know do you, do you quote unquote have the votes for that one the way you probably do three eleven? I think we do. Um, we haven't talked about that one as much, which is interesting. It seems like everyone's attention is on three eleven, and, and that's great. I mean, that's a bill that I sponsored and Senator McCauley sponsored. Uh, but fifty five also I think is very important, and that's sponsored by Senator Gavarone. Uh, and we need to. I think we need to get that one the finish line as well. Um, so I, finally, I would just say, please, to all your listeners, uh, it's not too late. Please contact, uh, you know, both the, the Senate President's office as well as your individual senators or reps and ask them to override both of those bills. Um, and, and do it respectfully. I mean, we, I just, you know, we want everyone to be just very respectful when they call and, and encouraging. But just let them know how important it is to the state of Ohio that Ohioans have a voice in this um, and that... Uh, you know, the health department is, and the governor, is, they are not all powerful, nor should they be. And we need to stand up and, and make that clear. Well, um, you know, I think everybody is, uh, everybody's first uh, tone whenever they call and contact their representatives and senators over this is one of respect. But when they feel deceived, when they feel like they're yeah. being ignored, respect turns to uh, anger. And at this point, yep. because of the clock that we're on, uh, it, it, it's desperation, and people are, are people are. I think respect left a little while ago now, and desperation is going to come out. Go ahead. Okay, well that's. <laughs> I, I get that too because I'm. I feel a little bit of that as well. Uh, I'm. I'm sure you do. Yeah. And that's what yeah. makes you that's what makes you a good politician because you can check your frustration, desperation, and anger at the door and continue to speak respectfully on these things. I could never be in elected office because I cannot. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to do what I do and say what I say. And what I see and say right now is that the Senate president has deceived the people of the state of Ohio. He has gone back on his own word in promising to hold this override for whatever political reasons and concessions that he might get from Governor DeWine in a future potential appointment. So that's the way mm-hmm. I feel about it now. I won't make you comment right, on that. Well. Uh, no, I understand. You, that's, that's that's me. That's not you. You keep doing what you do. Uh, Senator Christina Rogner, thank you for fighting on behalf of the people. Favor when you hang up with me, pick up the phone and keep ringing his office and uh, try to get him. Nobody can, by the way. 
Like I said, text messages to his cell phone, which I've done, which other people have done. Nothing is returned. He is just basically, he's bidening his way toward the uh, end of this. He's, he's in the basement, and nobody can touch him or reach him. And that is extraordinarily frustrating. But I wish you the very best today. Good luck in trying to get this rectified. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. That's uh, State Senator Christina Rogner on AM 1420, The Answer. You may react if you so desire at 216-901-0945. Right back. Okay, it's 954 now on AM 1420, The Answer. It is a free-for-all Friday. If you uh, don't want to talk about the liberty that has been stolen from us, the living that has been taken from our lives by the governor, in response, by the way, to something we are finding out more and more and more on a daily basis is just so much garbage. And I'm talking about positive case numbers. Oh, everything is in response to positive case numbers. I saw a phenomenal three-minute video that explains why the case numbers are what they are. These are not sick people. These are people who have been exposed and may have or may not have gotten sick in the past, but extraordinarily nefarious, in my view, uh, measures have been taken to get more false positives they can, than they can possibly even imagine. With PCR testing that uses an extraordinary uh, method, let's put it that way, of, of, of getting more positive numbers. It's a three-minute video. I haven't posted it. I should post it. I will post it on my Facebook page and on my parlor page. Um, but it's just extraordinary. It's very important that you understand how and why we are being led down this road. And this is not to say that the COVID virus doesn't exist. It does. My family has had it. Uh, but I'm just trying to tell you that what we are being told right now is not accurate, and there's a reason we're being told it, and we are losing our liberties because of it. All right, let's get a few phone calls in here. Uh, let's uh, go to Illyria. Chris, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Chris, go ahead. How are you doing today, Bob? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Um, I just called the Senate President's office, and mm-hmm. there, his assistant was basically telling me that the reason he was may not bring up to a vote if they didn't have enough votes on the House side. Yeah, he's a coward and a liar. You're a coward and a liar, Larry Aboff. You're a coward and a liar. Chris, again, I just spoke to Senator Rogner. First of all, she said that they do have enough votes on the House side. Her colleagues on the House side say they absolutely will get it done. And number two, what does that have to do with him? If that's the case on the House side, then that's a House problem. He is a weak, spineless jellyfish of a coward because he won't take up a vote that he knows he has the votes for on his side as long as he is one of them. As long as he is one of the votes, he is number 20, then he has it. And he doesn't want to tick off his overlord, the Napoleonic tyrant known as Mike DeWine. And Larry Aboff, I will not dis, I will not refute that. I will not retract that. I will not take that back until you call me and tell me otherwise. And he's too much of a coward to talk to anybody, much less the press. Uh, you know, I have talked to Adele Manning several times, and she yeah. has been pretty consistent with telling me that she 100% supports the override and will vote for it. 
I was told that yesterday, too, by Dave Greenspan, uh, because Dave Greenspan and Gail Manning have been identified as two very big question marks on whether or not they would support the override. He assures me that he will, and uh, Gail Manning, who will not return our phone calls, uh, we have never talked to Gail Manning. We've tried very, very hard to get her on to talk about this, uh, but he says that she is a yes on this as well. So, again, the votes are there. It is up to the leadership to grow a spine and make those votes happen that's the bottom line is that all chris oh yes i, I tried to reach out to her the nest mm-hmm. her nephew nathan manning and i yeah. spoke to him probably back in september and he said he supported it but i haven't been able to get him to return a phone call since before thanksgiving yeah, it's amazing how many of these people, uh, uh, and thank you for the call, Chris, you know, they want their constituent support every time there's an election, and the moment the election is over and they have it, they ignore their constituents and will not talk to them, will not return calls, will not take calls. And the fact that Larry Abhoff's assistant, or whoever answers the phone, and I'm amazed you got through. Everybody I know who has called can't get through to anybody. But he throws the assistant out there under the bus to say, tell everybody, well, we don't have the votes on the House side, so I don't have to call this for a vote on the Senate. What does that have to do with you? You're on the Senate side, and you do have the votes as long as you're one of them, Larry. Enough! Pete in Illyria. Wow, we're popular in Illyria, which happens to be my hometown, so that's okay. Hey, Pete, go ahead. You're on the air. Right, it looks like we lost Pete in Illyria by either cell phone connection or he got tired of waiting. We'll go to um, Barbara in Concord. Hey, Barbara, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, there was a uh, there was a huge effort by a group of us in our community to send a letter to Rob Portman about the recount, and um, I also saw that Congressman Mo Brooks has said that he has gotten 18 other congressmen to uh, stand up and object. But Jim Jordan's name is not on that list. Why is that? The list the list for what now? Maybe I misunderstood. Could you say that again? Okay, yes, I can. Um, I'm going <laughs> to look I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, Mo Brooks sent out a um, tweet from uh, Congress that said 18 right. house colleagues are okay. So but Jim Jordan's name is not on this list of those House colleagues that are going to stand up on January 6th regarding the recount. I don't know why that would be, because he has made many public statements saying that's exactly what he wants to do and will do, including on this program, talking about uh, Representative Jordan. Uh, he said yeah. he absolutely wants to have a debate on the House floor uh, on uh, uh, January 6th uh, and wants to have this fight before anything is certified from the Electoral College. So I don't know why Mo Brooks or where he got his list, but um, uh, I know for a fact that's exactly what Jim Jordan has said. And even on his own Twitter, Jim Jordan has said this is what he wants to do. So um, uh, I'm not Would quite sure like why Mo Brooks would Would you like me to email or text this letter from... Um Mo no, it, no, it's okay. Well, I mean, if it's from Twitter, I can easily go on it. Uh, even though I don't have a Twitter account anymore, I can view other things, and uh, I will see. Uh, I will take a look at it myself from Mo Brooks. But, uh, but I can assure you, at least from you know talking to him personally, even as recently as Monday, when I said, "Hey," because on Monday, thank you for the call, by the way. Um, when uh, I said to Jim Jordan on Monday, "Hey, today is the fourteenth. Today is the day of the uh, electoral college casting the votes." President Trump said he would concede if the Electoral College votes for uh, uh, Joe Biden. 
And I said, is he going to do that? And he said, uh, well, I would hope not because we still have some, some cards to play here, including the fight on the House floor. He said it is right to take this up for debate on the House floor for a ton of reasons. And I concur with that, by the way. So Jim Jordan, I know, is in on that fight, regardless of whatever uh, Brooks's uh, tweet said. All right, it's 10 o'clock. We're going to get to news now. More of your phone calls after Attorney Tom Renz from Ohio stands up will join me as well.